It is great to be with you today. Um, Happy New Year. I've been gone uh, for the last two Sundays. I've been enjoying a, uh, a time with my family for vacation up in Big Bear. We had a great time. And uh, uh, last Sunday, we were in Arizona, drove on out there on Friday, and had a wedding on Saturday, and came back Sunday uh, afternoon, evening. So it is good to be back home and worshiping and fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, you know, I, I hope that you got this when you came on in, because I want to uh, recap uh, some things that, that Tim said, you know, in this letter, and you can even see it's written, it's the last thing that was said on the video up on the upper right-hand corner. It says, Paul summarizes the gospel story and how it should reshape every part of our story. He summarized it in the first three chapters, and then he proceeded to go on and lay out how that that should reshape every part of your and my story in the next three chapters, starting in chapter four and then concluding in chapter six. Um, Ephesians one through three contains uh, one to, uh, or contains doctrine and discusses the spiritual privileges of the church and um, uh, doctrine meaning core beliefs, okay? Core beliefs. Uh, key beliefs, if you want to think of it that way, that the church holds to be true. And privileges in this is, is a special right or an advantage that someone has and they've been given to the church. And uh, things like forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, the Holy Spirit, eternal life, peace. You get the idea. And then uh, Ephesians 4 through 6 contains uh, exhortations, challenges, and, and it discusses the spiritual responsibilities of Christians. And uh, I got this from a guy, Robert Gundry, who a uh, New Testament professor up at Westmont, and uh, wrote a great, uh, a great synopsis of the New Testament. And uh, exhortation meaning an, an urging or an encouragement in somehow to do something. And responsibilities uh, meaning that uh, those that were called to, uh, those things that we were called to do as Christians. So when you look at that, that's what it's focusing in on and that's how this book is divided up. First three chapters, second three chapters. And in this, you'll also see that um, uh, unity is a big, big concept and idea throughout the whole book, as is the whole idea of oneness. I love how these illustrators are able to, you know, with the Bible Project, be able to take um, really core elements and yet illustrated in such a way that on our little sheets you can't notice it but when they put it up on the video and they 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 fill in that word one with all those different people you know for me it's just great visual pictures of what the church is and um, I, I just love that 
I love that. Uh, I'm gonna ask you if you will go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got them located underneath the seat in front of you. Um, and uh, that's quite all right if you're not comfortable digging into it or looking away or looking your way around it. But for um, those of you who are, I'm gonna encourage you to encourage me by being in your word. Now, I'm gonna tell you up front, normally I don't put all of the passages that I'm gonna preach on up here because I feel like somehow that enables people to then just rely on that instead of digging into their word uh, of their own Bible or on their phones or however you have that. But today I'm gonna do that, um, just telling you up front. But it'd be an encouragement to me when I get to hear pages turn or if I see a whole bunch of lights glowing, reflecting off your glasses or things like that. Thank you, Tom, thank you, I say that. You know, and then that, that just is, is a huge encouragement to me. So uh, I'm gonna start off in Ephesians chapter one, verse 10. And um, it says to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Cool verse. Uh, now, join with me in chapter four, in verses three through six. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And here's where then we get to see uh, where that drawing came from. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Amen and amen. So today, uh, in this book, I'd like to focus in on our story. Our story. I'm not gonna really be in chapters one through three because uh, I, I wanna hit on challenging us where we're at. And so, uh, how many of you have seen the, the 10-year challenge on Facebook? Anybody? Okay. Uh, I, I've seen that. I, I don't participate in those things. Um, it's just something I stay away from. But for the sake of this message today, um, I didn't post on Facebook, but I'm posting my own 10-year challenge right here with you today. Okay? And so um, I'm going to show pictures of, of uh, me and... Um, this first one is just back at Christmas, and that's me with my grandson, Jedediah. And so uh, that was just uh, a month ago, not even a month ago. And then this next picture was me on my birthday 10 years ago. We were living in Irvine at the time, and I'm about to dig into what our family officially knows as a birthday coffee cake. On everybody's birthday, Shirley makes whoever's birthday it is coffee cake. And so that, that's a, a little 10 year difference. But you know what, I'm gonna go one further. I'm gonna do a 20 year challenge. So here we go, um, this picture is, is recent. It was me and Shirley and all three of our grandkids. Jedediah and there's Liliana and there is Cooper. And that was taken right about that same time as the other one was. And then this picture was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what? 
Trust me, I was being very kind to myself choosing this one. Okay, um, yeah, that's 20 years ago. So the picture currently, I'm in my 50s. That picture, I'm in my 30s. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go one more. And uh, just because I've already embarrassed myself, so what the heck, I'll even go one further. And here's my 30-year challenge. <laughs> so there's me 10 years ago on the right, 20 years ago on the middle. And yes, that is uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, <laughs> stunt double on the left. How my wife ever agreed to marry that guy, I will never know. Those glasses were bigger than my face. And, uh, but I will say this, the hair was naturally curly. So eat your hearts out. All right? At least I did have it at some time, even though it is all going. All right? But uh, I figured, hey, if I had to throw myself up on this challenge, I was going to throw my beautiful bride under the bus as well. So that is us 33 and a half years ago, and um, man, uh, I'm looking through these old pictures and I'm thinking about the clothes and the different styles that have come and gone. Trust me, uh, there were some pictures where um, I was wearing some old, old bright neon sweatsuits. Yeah. I didn't want to hurt or offend you with that, that picture. But um, uh, uh, I want to give you a glimpse of what I still have in my dresser and in my closet. So uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure, or vice versa. Um, these shoes are almost 30 years old. Why do I still keep them? I'm an idiot, OK? <laughs> I don't know. But I, I will tell you this. I did almost throw them away one time, and these are the um, original Air Jordans, only not the red and white ones. I had a pair of those, and I wore those completely out. But uh, these are black ones. And, and I've been told that um, shoe people, even for a pair beat up like this, will pay over 100 bucks. I'm like, let me know where they are, man, <laughs> and these shoes are theirs, okay? But um, I don't wear these. They don't fit. My foot's gotten a little bigger uh, or flatter or wider or whatever you want to believe. And so I, I don't wear those, but I have them in my closet. Also, I have a pair of Toms. Anybody remember these shoes? I bought these when they first came out a little over 10 years ago um, because I was at a conference. It was the Orange Conference in Atlanta. And I was at Andy Stanley's church for a children's ministry conference. And... Um, we bought these because we thought, okay, we buy a pair of Toms, there's going to be a free pair of Toms that go to a kid somewhere else around the world. That, that's how he started his business, and he's very successful, and uh, millions of shoes have gone to underprivileged kids in third world countries as a result of when you buy a pair. So uh, I don't wear these anymore, but I keep them. They, they give me good memories. But still, it's kind of like they're useless. Okay, they, they, they really are. Um, so maybe some of you can relate to this. Now, uh, for some people, it might be fashion to have rips and holes in your jeans. But yeah, the, the color lets you know how old they are. Okay, but why do I hold on to these? Because, because I don't want to ruin any of my other jeans when I'm working in the yard. So I pull these bad boys out, and I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. And I've thrown away so many other pairs that there's like certain things you just kind of hold on to. 
you know? And, and so it's like, boom. Well, and, and then, um, now these sweats, these were the breakaway sweats. Yeah, right? Okay, yeah. And you were like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll never see me in these again, all right? Now these you might see me in if you come to my house and I am totally just like, ah. Hammer pants. That's right, man. They are so comfortable. I will not wear them outside the house, but yeah. Can't touch this. Okay, can't touch these either. But, um, you know, so I have that. I have something that's uh, over 20 years old. Now, you UCLA fans might like this, particularly after they got spanked yesterday by USC. But uh, this jacket came from the year 1995 when they won the national championship. My senior pastor at the time was a chaplain for them. He did it like two or three games. And then um, uh, the coach, uh, Jim uh, Harrington, uh, thank you, he gave all of his staff, my boss, all of his staff, these and some UCLA basketball shorts. So I was like, cool. So it hangs in my closet. Um, It gives me good memories, but it doesn't do any good for me because I never wear it. Uh, um, this is a shirt back from college because uh, actually it was a seminary because it was when um, I was on the Otter Pops and we won back-to-back years uh, on, on intramural football against all those young punks. I was Louis Blue Raspberry. Um, this is a T-shirt from my very first church, and it was uh, the last shirt that we did, and it was at Bass Lake because this was the 13th year that we had gone there, and um, I can't fit in these things anymore, but I still have them. This was a T-shirt uh, of the last year. I was a youth pastor in, in 2001 before I transitioned, and, and you know I liked thinking I was pretty creative. This looks pretty ugly now, but Elevate, and then the, th- the whole thing was living life on a higher plane. Okay, and challenging them. And then the last one I have is, is my oldest shirt, and, and this is a shirt. <laughs> the name of our team was We're Gonna Get Killed. And I'm gonna tell you something, we got killed. But, um, so my nickname was Gumby, and, um, and um, this jersey, the reason why we were named We're Gonna Get Killed is because we called ourselves WGGK. But when someone else would ask our opponents, hey, who are you guys playing this week? They would say, we're going to get killed. <laughs> it was clever. It just didn't work. Uh, I think we won one game that year. So I, I bring these things because I'm kind of going, okay, um, for some stupid reason, uh, I thought I was in style. I thought I looked good in them at the time. Um, they made me feel good. Even thoughts of it sometimes can make me uh, have good memories. And it reminds me of uh, how I'm a legend in my own mind. Right? Reminds me of my youth. Like, oh, I used to be an athlete. So why do we keep our old clothes in our drawers and in our closets? I mean, they definitely aren't in style anymore, right? There's no way that's true. And more likely than not, though some of you, uh, I'm, I would never say this, uh, uh, 
They don't fit, right? Um, and they definitely do not make us look good. Uh, I brought my suit because I figured I'd try to bring something redeeming even though you can laugh because it's so old and um, I, I don't even think I can button these pants anymore and I, they can't be let out anymore, if you know what I mean. So um, uh, this was the suit, uh, my first suit. I married and buried a lot of people with this suit. And um, it's also still in there because some way I say, just in case my other suit, something happens, I'll squeeze myself in here, you know, which, which won't happen, but you know how we tell our thing, our, our, ourselves certain things. And so I just kind of go, okay, yeah. Um, and, and so realistically, uh, our old clothes, they aren't even comfortable, right? I mean, they're not. And yet we hold on to them and we still try putting them on anyways. And so I'm just going to tell you what I've had to tell myself. Listen to your loved ones when they try to save you from utter embarrassment. Right? Before you walk out that door, you listen to your loved ones. When they say, Dad, Dad, please, I'm begging you. No. Particularly when I was driving them to school. Right? You know, um, uh, don't make them call a family intervention on your, your clothing. So again, I ask, why, why do we hold on to them? It really makes no sense at all. But who of you today is so different than you were um, 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 30 years ago? Oh, you're the, you're the same person, I get that. But you've changed in so many different ways. The obvious way, physically. It's the obvious way. But uh, you've also changed emotionally, cognitively, and experientially. You know, for for many of you, you, you've changed spiritually. I graduated from high school. I was not a Christian. I changed. I accepted Christ. Many of you have different stories. Some of you accepted Christ at a very early age. Others of you didn't accept Christ until later in the game. And so we've all um, kind of experienced different kinds of changes. But for those of you who have experienced these changes spiritually, that's what the Apostle Paul is addressing in the passage I want to look at today. The title of the message is A Different Set of Clothes. It's time, it's time, in case you've been holding on to some of the clothes we're going to look at. So turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, and uh, follow along as I read. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now remember now, Paul's writing to the Christian believers who are in Ephesus and the surrounding churches. 
and he's exhorting them to, he says, no longer live as the Gentiles. When he says the Gentiles, he's talking to Gentile believers. But when he's talking right here in these verses, he's talking to the Gentiles who are not believers, who are going it on their own, who think they know better. And, and what Paul's saying is, in essence, you used to be one of them. You, you lived like them. You dressed like them. You thought like them. But then he says something changed. In verse 20 and 21, he writes, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what Paul's saying is that the believers weren't taught the same way as the others, as those who are still living apart from Christ. The Gentiles were thinking their way away from God, while the Gentile believers were embracing the truth. They were taught. They were learning. They had heard it. Just gonna say, the Gentiles were separated from God because they were in the dark and ignorant. Why? Look at verse 18. It was because due to the hardening of their hearts. Because their hearts had just gotten to such a point where it's just like, I don't need God. I can do this on my own. It's just a crutch. These people are nuts. What are they giving their money for? <laughs> They're stupid. Their hearts had gotten so hardened because there was no light that was shining inside. But in verse 20, Paul tells the believers that they didn't learn the same way. What's the difference? Look at verse 21. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. First, Paul says, you learned Christ. All these are coming right from verse 20 and verse 21. Second, he writes, you heard him. And third, he writes, you were taught in him. John Stott uh, writes this, the Christ whom the Ephesians had learned was calling them to standards and values totally at variance with their former pagan life. And he really, really nails it. 
And Paul goes on to clarify in verses 22 through 24. He says, you were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted, its deceitful desires. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your former way of life equals separated from God, just like the other Gentiles. But since they came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, by God's grace alone, no works of theirs, as we see back in Ephesians chapter two, they are still Gentiles, which means non-Jewish, but now they are saved and welcomed into God's family, just like the Jesus-believing Jews. Beautiful story of how Paul develops that in those first three chapters. And because these Gentiles have been saved and freed from their former way of life, that's when Paul tells them to put off their old self. Put off your old self. Here in verse 22, it's different from the put off in verse 25. Put off your old self is referring to the time of their conversion. That's what he's referring to. They've become a new creation and received a new mind which is constantly being renewed. John Stott again says, it is our new creation which has given us a new mind, and it is our new mind which understands our new creation and its implications. Look with me at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. The therefore there, as you saw in the video, and, and if you go to Bible school or seminary, you always see the word therefore is there for a reason. It is going to connect two thoughts. And it refers back to the fact that they did throw off their former self once and for all. They did. But now they, they must put off or throw off all conduct which belonged to their former life. They threw off their former life, but now Paul is encouraging them, exhorting them, trying to lay it out there for them crystal clear so they understand, now you have to change your conduct. And, and that's a big change. That metaphor, put off or, or put on, is drawn from the way we dress. Specifically refers to putting on and taking off clothes. And the kind of clothing that we wear depends on the kind of role we're fulfilling, right? I mean, think about it. Uh, if you do yard work, I said I got my holy jeans, okay? If I'm doing athletics, uh, I've got that old football jersey. Um, but how about a, a wedding or a funeral? I got my suit. Um, walking. I got my sweats or my windbreaker. How about police or military? They wear uniforms. Think about doctors. 
Think about even, you know, so many different things. When we change our role, we change the way we dress. Some of you, um, when you go to work, you dress up compared to when you come to church here. Some of you, when you go to work, you dress down. And you wear uh, nicer clothes here than someplace else. Because when we change our role, we change our dress. When I go home, I usually change my clothes. When a police officer or a doctor gets off work, they get out of their uniform, put on different clothes. When the garbage man gets off work, I hope for his family's sake that he changes his clothes. When a prisoner gets released from prison, they, they leave those orange clothes and they get new ones so they can be incorporated right back into society. What I think Paul was getting at is since by a, a new creation that um, we've put off the old humanity which was separated from God and put on the new and, and we must also put away the old standards and adopt new ones. So our new role will mean new clothing and our new life a new ethical lifestyle. So what are those clothes that we're supposed to throw off or throw away? I'm glad you asked because um, um, Paul's going to tell us. And I'm only going to take time to hit on five of them. But I think there are five ones that are good enough to challenge each and every one of us. The first one is lie. That first clothe, piece of clothing that we're supposed to take off, put off of us, is, is lie. And it's found in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. And I want you to understand something. Paul also offers us new clothes that we should be putting on. So it's not just strip and get naked. He's saying, get out of that stuff. And here's what you put on as a follower of Christ. So put on it and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body, verse 25 said. It says, the avoidance of lies is of little use without the active pursuit of truth. I'm going to read that again. The avoidance of lies is of little use without the active pursuit of truth. Take that lying shirt off. Or actually... I was thinking, take those lying pants off. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> but when you take it off, you need to immediately replace it with truth. Uh, another uh, article of clothing that we should be taking off is anger. In verse 26 and 27, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. We can be angry, folks. It's okay to be angry. It says in your anger. So that's, there's permission there. But it's got to be the right kind of anger. And even regardless of it's the right kind or if it's the bad kind, we're still told in that anger that we are not to sin. God got angry. 
Jesus got angry. It's all right to be angry over the things that anger God. Paul qualifies his permissive in your anger with three negatives. First, don't sin. Is our anger free from the spirit of revenge? Time for heart checks here. Um, is it free from injured pride? Is our anger free from malice? Second, don't let the sun go down. The, the intention here is that it doesn't smolder. Now, Shirley and I put this into practice literally. This passage doesn't mean you have to put it into practice as a literal uh, uh, example of what to do. The idea is so that, listen, as soon as you can take care of this anger, all of a sudden, what's it say? Number three, the devil's not going to get a foothold. You're not going to grow a, a, a germ, a seed of bitterness or of hatred. You're not harboring resentment when you can take care of that anger in the right way as soon as possible. You know, giving the devil a foothold is basically just giving him an opportunity. And when we can take care of that anger as soon as possible, he's not having that opportunity. The devil knows how hard it is for us to handle anger responsibly. He knows that. He plays off of that. He loves to lurk around and hang out and, and, around angry people, just hoping to exploit the situation that they're angered by for his own advantage by provoking them into hatred and to violence or even a broken fellowship. Take that piece of clothing out of your closets and throw it away. And if it's on your body, take it off. It has no, no right, no hold on you. A third piece of clothing that we should get rid of is stealing. Verse 28 says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Not only are we supposed to take that stolen piece of clothing off, but Paul instructs us to replace that shirt with a new work shirt. He goes on to say that the new work shirt will lead us to do something useful, either for ourselves or for others. And by implication here in this passage, he's also saying that, that we will be able to support ourselves, that we will be able to support not only ourselves, but if we have a family, our family. And not only that, but we will become generous people. That's the goal. Generosity. Not being takers giving joyfully the cause of Christ. The fourth one is, is unwholesome or evil talk. It all depends on what version you have. 
unwholesome talk, evil talk, and that's in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that, uh, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul uh, here turns from the use of our hands to the use of our mouths. It's not about our hands anymore. Now it's about our mouths. Speech is a wonderful gift of God, isn't it? I mean, it's one of our human capacities which reflects our likeness to God. Just think about that for a moment. God speaks. (laughs) And like him, so do you and I. As a grandpa, I'm listening to all kinds of things on all kinds of loud toys. Old McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on that farm he had a, you name the animal, pig, oink, oink here, and oink, oink there, cow, moo, moo here, and a moo, moo there, horse, nay, nay here, and a nay, nay there, rooster, cock-a-doodle-doo here, and cock-a-doodle-doo, right? Uh, Go through all of them. We are the only ones who reflect God's image in that way with the gift of speech. And that word for unwholesome or evil in in that verse, it means rotten. It means putrid. It is total waste. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't have time, but make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, rotten, and the fruit will be bad, rotten. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. I think Jesus goes on to talk to the brood of vipers, the religious leaders, how their words were rotten. And he says in verse 36, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Speech controlled by our new nature, Christ-likeness, will exhibit, it's gonna exhibit three things and I put them up here for you. It edifies or it builds up. Verse 29, the, the second part of it, Then the third part of verse 29, it is appropriate, meaning it it will be spoken according to the needs that people have to be encouraged, to be strengthened. And and it says it benefits those who hear it. I'm going to skip verse 30 about grieving the Holy Spirit. The last one is bitterness. Bitterness in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And notice the five vices of bitterness in this verse. One, you see rage in that verse, which means outbursts of anger. Two, you see anger. All these five words are describing bitterness. Anger is a sullen hostility. It's just like simmering underneath but it's there. The words that's used for brawling, that's someone who's shouting or screaming at others. They just can't believe that you don't understand where they're coming from and and you're an idiot and they're the only ones who are right and and that's somebody who's a brawler. And then a slanderer. 
is someone who speaks evil of others, especially, especially behind their backs. And finally, malice. That is just someone who has ill will. I mean, they are plotting evil against people. Folks, we need to strip bare if uh, we're hanging on to these clothes. And thank goodness that the Lord, again, provides us with clothes that don't just make us look good, but more importantly, they make him look good when we're wearing them. Look at verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So I've, gotta, I've just got to ask, what clothes are still hanging in your closet or are tucked away in your dresser? Lying pants, angry shoes, a stolen shirt, an unwholesome coat, bitter underwear. Your undies are just in a wad and you're just angry. The best picture I could get to try to get you to respond. But guess what? We all have them. We all have them. And so uh, I just want to challenge you to throw them away. Don't donate them. Don't try to sell them. Throw them in the trash can. Burn them. Don't dress like your old way of life. You were bought with the steepest price ever paid. The blood of Jesus Christ. So why are we dressing like we're still lost with no home? I don't get it. Jesus has nothing but the best clothes at your disposal. So put them on. You'll be surprised at the difference they'll make. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word and your challenge. And um, I just pray that you can help all of us, no matter what article of clothing um, we continually go back to. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit's power and strength to be able to help us to resist and to trust you with all that you promise, all that you guarantee, all that you have delivered on. Lord, each one of us is struggling in at least one of these areas. God, how awesome would it be if our church could, instead of a book burning, we do a clothes burning and we start to live in the way in which you have called us as free, as Christ followers who are no longer slaves to sin. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.